0: Today on Let the Bible Speak. Today we'll look at some tiny words, but our eternity hinges upon them. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you so much for joining me to look into the Word of God for a few moments. A wonderful way to begin a new week. There is no one we might talk about as wonderful as Jesus the Christ. And we want to do that for a little while today. He is not a character in the story of Scripture. He is the star of Scripture. He is the theme of Scripture. His work in time and eternity is the principal theme of the Bible from beginning to end. The scriptures declare that not only were all things created by him in the beginning, but by him all things are held together yet today and will be until the end of time. What is your relationship to him? The Bible uses several words to describe states that people occupy in relation to Christ, and the words that accurately describe your position relative to Christ also describe your spiritual and eternal state. Even the smallest words in the text that the apostles wrote matter, and they carry very important meaning. Today we want to look at some of those words that may seem insignificant, but they're anything but that. I'm talking about several prepositions that are used in Scripture, along with the mention of Christ and His relationship to us. For example, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Notice that Paul uses several prepositional phrases here, such as by him or through him, for him and in him. Those are but a few such phrases found especially in the writings of Paul. Which ones does the Bible use to describe you where you are spiritually today? And I want you to think very seriously about that. We'll entitle the study today, The Prepositions of Christ. And I'll return by that after a song from the congregation. Prepositions are usually very small words, but they are powerful because they express relationships. They may not seem that important when describing everyday things, such as, my car is in the garage, or I went outside of the house. But when the Bible uses prepositions about Jesus Christ, they are packed with theological and eternal meaning, and that's why we wish to take a closer look at them today. Abraham Lincoln is credited with coining the historic American phrase, a government of the people by the people, and for the people. And that famous statement, its prepositions, are as well known as its propositions. But we recognize that each preposition of, by, and for indicates a unique relationship that the United States government, by the framers' design, has to the American people. Now, The same is true of the many prepositions in the New Testament, especially in Paul's letters that are used regarding Christ, and they're very important. Each of them represents some profound propositions concerning who Christ is and the seriousness of where we stand in relation to him. So let's consider some of these profound little words and what they tell us about him who is all in all, Jesus the Christ. First, there is the preposition by, by him or by Christ. In Colossians 1 verse 16, the passage we earlier read, Paul eloquently writes, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now that preposition, by, points to Christ's pre-existence and therefore his preeminence. Now though Christ at one time entered into creation, becoming a man in the incarnation in order to carry out heaven's scheme of human redemption, He was before and is now outside of creation in the unseen eternal domain. Jesus is not a created being, as some allege. He is eternal, dwelling with the Father and the Holy Spirit in eternity. In the prologue to his gospel, John beautifully wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Listen now. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Again, in Colossians 1, verse 17, All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, consider that if Jesus were not eternal, just like God the Father and the Holy Spirit, but rather if Jesus were a created being, well, then all things would not be created through him or by him, for he himself would be created. You would have a contradiction. Rather, you see, Paul and Jesus, or John rather, uh, affirm to us that Jesus shares the eternal nature of all the Godhead. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that Christ is the brightness of his, God's glory and the express image of God's person. And therefore, you see, if God is eternal, then Christ must be eternal, or else Christ is not the exact image or representation of God. Now, I realize some will point to the prior verse in Colossians 1, verse 15, where Paul said that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. But Paul isn't talking about Jesus being created first and then everything else being created. Rather, he's using that word to speak about Christ's preeminence over the creation. The word firstborn is an interesting word and it's used several times in scripture to refer to Jesus uh, in several passages, in Colossians, Romans, Revelation, and the book of Hebrews. And we have to examine the context of all of those various usages. And the context shows us here that it is referring to first in rank. Firstborn simply means first in rank. It means that Jesus is over and above All that has been created. Paul is actually countering the false doctrine that Jesus was a created being, and so it wouldn't make sense for Paul to argue against something by affirming the very thing he's arguing against. Jesus is eternal, and you and I may not be able to wrap our finite minds around that, but that doesn't change the truth of what Scripture affirms, and we have to be careful that we don't dismiss what the Bible says simply because we don't comprehend or don't understand it. Some things we have to simply accept by faith because the Bible says them. Jesus is eternal. God the Son is co-eternal and co-existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And this makes our disposition and our relation to Christ of utmost importance. If he is pre-existent, he is preeminent. And that's Paul's argument in Colossians 1. Jesus is not part of God's plan, in other words. He is the plan. He co-authored the plan. And that plan was to return all glory to God through Him, and in the process, He is glorified. Jesus said in the familiar words of John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, many reject that kind of exclusive exclusivity and dogmatism, But that's the simple fact of the matter. Christ is everything. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have God. It's as simple and cut and dried as that. And there is not one single exception to that in all of the world. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, said the beloved apostle in 1 John 5, verses 12 and 13. Many in this world tragically don't have Christ. That is, they have never placed believing, trusting, obedient faith in him, and therefore Paul uses another preposition to describe them in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2 and verse 12 he says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Please note how Paul describes those who are without Christ Jesus. Other translations such as the American Standard and the English Standard Version say, you were separate or separated from Christ. Well, that's the plight of all of the lost world. Now here, Paul is specifically speaking of the Gentile nations that up until the new covenant age were not part of God's program. He says they were aliens. In other words, they did not belong to the people of God. They were outsiders, excluded. They were strangers from the covenants of promise. They had no relationship with God. They had no assurance from God, no promises of God upon which to rest their souls and look forward to a better future under that old dispensation. They were under God's judgment, not his promise of salvation. And therefore, since they, as Gentiles, during the time of the law were without Christ, he says, they had no hope. And they were without God. And that's the bottom line, friend. No Christ, no hope. If your faith is not in Jesus Christ, if you're not a child of God through obedient faith in Jesus Christ, you're without hope. That's as dark of a place as a person can be. That's as terrible of a condition as a person can be in. That's as hopeless of a state as any man or woman can be found in. And, friend, that's the condition of any person outside of Jesus Christ today. You may say, oh, but I'm a good person. Not without Christ, you're not. At least not in the eyes of God. You may say, but look at all the good that I do in life, or I don't harm other people, and on and on it goes. None of that matters in the eyes of a holy and righteous God for the person who does not have a saving relationship based on faith in Jesus Christ, because Christ, the sin bearer, Christ, the sacrifice, Christ, the intercessor, Christ, the mediator, is the only right of approach to the holy presence of God who is pure light and untouched. And untainted by sin, that's why, my friend, it is so important, yea, necessary, that you instead be sure that you are in Christ. Now this is the preposition that brings salvation from sin: freedom from guilt, bondage, deliverance from condemnation, refuge from judgment, assurance in the place of doubt, peace instead of inner turmoil and dread. Notice how Paul continues in Ephesians 2, verse 12. He says, "...that at that time you were without Christ, separated from Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ." You see, in Christ, we are brought into the presence and fellowship of God because Christ, and only Christ, can expiate our sin and remove our sin, which has separated us all from God. And when Christ brings us into union and fellowship with God through his redemptive work, then as Paul said in the prior chapter, chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There's that preposition, in Christ. You know, there are several pictures provided all through the Old Testament of Christ's reconciling and saving work. And many of those types or pictures are of Christ as a place of refuge, a place of safety. There was the house marked by the blood of the Passover lamb. Or the six cities of refuge up and down the uh, land of Israel on either side of the Jordan Valley. Or the strong and mighty tower he has pictured. And we could go on and on and on. And all of these portray the blessed, the blessed and safe condition of the person who spiritually is found in Christ Jesus. Now the Bible teaches that we enter this relationship through faith when we are baptized into Christ. Not before, when we're baptized, because the Bible says, Paul said in Galatians 3 and verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now friend, if you've not been immersed in water for the remission of your sins, you're not in Christ. Because Paul affirms that we are baptized into Christ. Have you been immersed into a relationship with the saving Lord? Listen carefully, friend, no matter what many try to lead you to believe, according to the Bible, if you've not been baptized into Christ, you are not yet in Christ. That's the only point the New Testament teaches, that you enter Christ, is when you're baptized into Christ. Not only Galatians 3:27, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. When you by faith leave your past behind in repentance, confessing your allegiance to him as the Christ, the anointed of God, and then are buried with him by baptism, you enter into a saving union with him and thus with God. And you must be in Christ, friend, or else you are without Christ, and that is to be under God's judgment and an outsider to all of the blessings that God has appointed in his Son. Being in Christ means salvation, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Romans 3, verse 24. In Christ, there is restored fellowship with God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. Only in Christ is there spiritual life. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, verse 11. Only in Christ is there freedom from the deathly curse of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. Only in Christ is there freedom from the bondage of sin. Paul, when he pictured himself trying to be justified on the basis of his own perfection and keeping the law, found himself a hopeless case, sold out like a slave to sin. But then he said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Here's what makes the difference. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. You see, only in Christ is there freedom from the condemnation of sin. He goes on in the next chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Only in Christ is there membership in the church of Christ. So we being many are one body in Christ, Romans 12 and verse five. So friend, that's why the question is so important today. Are you in Christ? Have you been baptized into Christ? And then you see, when you are in Christ, then there is the condition of being with Christ. And that's another wonderful preposition that upholds a sublime proposition. When we are in Christ, we then share in the things of Christ. We share, for example, in His present reign. You know, the Bible teaches that those who are in Christ rule with Him. We rule and reign with Him as kings and priests in His blessed kingdom, John said in the first chapter of Revelation. The Bible teaches that we are joint heirs with Christ. That means we share in the inheritance that God the Father has granted to His Son. We share with Him in the glories and spiritual riches of His kingdom and the riches of Christ are unsearchable, Paul said on one occasion. There is so much to be said about that, if time permitted. But listen to Paul in Colossians 3 and verse 3. He says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, we're not only in fellowship with God, We enjoy an elevated position because of our relationship to his beloved son, King Jesus, the heir of all things. We occupy that place with Christ in the kingdom of Christ now. And there's not one thing that God has given to Jesus Christ that we do not share with him in if we're in Christ. And one day we have the eager expectation of being with him in his literal presence. Think of it. John said in 1 John 3 and verse 2 that when he is revealed and we are raised from the dead, we will be made to be like him, and we'll spend eternity in his presence in that other world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 14, Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. And in the next chapter, verse 8, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, that's this corruptible body, and to be present with the Lord. But you see, to be with Christ then, you must be with him spiritually now. And you can only be with him now by being in him now in a saving relationship through a trusting and submitting and obedient faith. Quickly, being in Christ also means that there are things we are only able to do through him. That's another preposition Paul uses to express our position in relation to Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Paul wasn't talking about kicking a football or bench pressing 200 pounds. He was talking contextually about having contentment with very little and in the wider view living for the Lord. We are able to live for God through Christ and only through Christ. Only this blessed estate of being in Christ gives us the relationship, the power, and the resources we need to live a righteous life and to please the Lord. If we rely upon the flesh and our own strength and power, we will fail. But a relationship with Christ through faith in His Word plugs us into the receptacle of spiritual power and only then can the Spirit of God conform and shape and mold us to the image that God wants us to be. You will never set out to live a good enough, clean enough, benevolent enough life to please God without the strength, power, knowledge and help that comes from being in Christ Jesus. Even Paul. Spiritual giant as he appears to us to be said of himself and we have such trust through Christ toward God not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves but our sufficiency is from God 2nd Corinthians 3 verses 4 and 5 and finally I want to think about one more preposition that sets before us a vital proposition and that is again the preposition in. And yes, we've already stressed how Paul used this little word to express, our being, to express our being in Christ. But he uses it in an equally important way, not just to show us that we need to be in Christ, but also that Christ needs to be in us. He says in Colossians 1 verse 27, "...to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." That's the aim of the gospel. Not merely to get us into Christ and saved, but to get Christ in us and conform to his likeness. Paul urgently but patiently labored with the troubled Galatians toward this end in Galatians 4 verse 19 saying, My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. The Spirit of God through the Word of God works in the children of God to make them like the Son of God. Are you becoming more like Jesus every day? That's the question. That's the test. Knowing more each day is important. Doing more each day is wonderful. But when you look into the perfect mirror of God's word, does each day bring a clearer image of Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. Paul challenges us in 2 Corinthians 13 to 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you are disqualified. Is that how Paul would see you and me? Which of these prepositions describes your relationship to the Christ today? there are two testaments in the Bible. What is the Bible really about? What does it mean to simply be a Christian like they were in the first century? These are some of the things you can learn about by enrolling in our Bible Correspondence course. It's free. When you let us know you'd like to take the course, we'll send out the first lesson, you read and study it, answer the questions, return it to us. We'll check it and mail it back with the next lesson in the series. Don't delay. Take advantage of this free offer and increase your Bible knowledge. You'll be glad you did. Contact us to enroll today. Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. I look forward to meeting you here from week to week to study the scriptures and I hope that our programs are helpful to you and inspiring and that they're drawing you closer to the Lord and to His way. If you'd like to have a copy of our lesson today, it's free of cost. We'll send you a free transcript upon request. Simply ask for the lesson, The Prepositions of Christ and we'll get that free copy on its way as quickly as we can. Remember, you can find other resources online, ltbstv.org and our YouTube channel, as well as we have a podcast. If you just search for Let the Bible Speak TV on those online platforms and follow us, subscribe to us on whichever platform you're on, we would surely appreciate it. And share the content with others. That will help us a great deal in spreading the word of God. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a great week ahead. And if the Lord wills, we'll meet back here next time for another Bible study and encourage someone else to join us too. Until then, have a great week, and God bless you.
1: Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by the Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org.